Oh, hello. I didn't see you come in here. And I also don't know why I just went Tim Curry. This is Seth Pearson, and this isn't a full episode of the By That I Mean podcast. This is a less-sode in that it's uh, some giblets, uh, nuggets, and droplets that didn't quite fit in the last proper episode of the podcast. But they were also kind of too good for me to permanently delete, as I had with previous episodes. This less-sode is an experiment, if it goes well, if you enjoy it. Give me your likes on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash by that I mean. And if not, fuck it. Um, let this less-sode be a lesson to us both. Gotta clean the pretzel parts off of my teeth. I know, right? That's probably not the best snack to have before. Is this a problem we share? It's like the opposite of whatever they do in a king's speech. It's like a physical obstacle to speaking, not like an emotional <laughs> obstacle. <laughs> no, it's like, it's it's not a movie about a royal with a speech impediment. It's, it's a movie about a prime minister who's caught with spinach in his teeth, mm-hmm. and it becomes a national embarrassment. Mm-hmm. The economy crashes. Two countries declare war on England. Only in this version, um, the Jeffrey Rush role would be played by a piece of dental floss. Yeah, but like Gene Hackman would voice the floss. (laughs) I would would totally go see a movie where Gene Hackman was voicing a piece of dental floss. How crazy would that be? Would it be a piece of floss or like a role? I don't know. I feel like he, you know, he's such a versatile actor. I'd believe well, him in either, like, in either obviously, role. Obviously, obviously, the purpose of the floss would be to dispense wisdom. My favorite part <laughs> of the king's speech was when the king fell down a mine shaft and had to cut his own arm off. Because I did not see that coming. A mine shaft? Oh, wait, that's not <laughs> the same movie. Um, Are you confusing 120 centimeters hours? With the king's speech. I wish I thought would I don't know if it's just me when I I loved 127 hours too but in the movie when that baby starts crawling around like he's hallucinating he's totally dehydrated and he's hallucinating that baby goes by I literally had a thought in my head and I was like baby Jessica <laughs> she's in she's in Blue John Canyon too like how'd that happen obviously the system of wells mm-hmm. was more intricate than we thought mm-hmm. you know what you don't see today you don't see people falling down wells a lot anymore like old that's an old timey news story like trapped in a well well but was it (laughs) well (laughs) well was it even a functioning well or was it like abandoned or something i don't know they don't usually tell you it's a shame that there isn't a site like google (laughs) that we could use to (laughs) learn about these do people fall down jesse tails dry dry wells or functioning wells I feel like either either way you're fucked because you can't climb out of a well. But yeah, functional or non-functional, well, <laughs> falling into a well is shit. It's shit. No, it's like it's shit either way. But mm-hmm. I have a question: If you're falling into a well that's dried up, aren't you just falling like onto dirt? Like you're falling onto earth, right? Oh yeah, you're fucked. So couldn't you like die from falling? Like how deep well, is you a could well? Hit your, I guess is what you I'm could asking. hit your head a million times on the way down. Yeah. You could like break your back or some shit. You, just you get didn't stuck even know what could happen. Down. You just get stuck Augustus right. Gloop style. And, oh and then my where God, you? you gloop it. And then what will you do? If baby Jessica had just been morbidly obese, she uh-huh. would have glooped the well. Yeah, and then maybe like some of the pressure could have built up and blasted <sighs> her to the other side. And then blasted her and delicious chocolate milk <laughs> all over. All over. You know what? I actually, speaking of Willy Wonka chocolate fountains... 
I saw the world's largest chocolate fountain this weekend in Las Vegas um, at the Bellagio Hotel. And that it is was, a that is the classiest thing I have ever heard in my right? life. It's the classiest thing that I think anyone's ever done in Vegas. Um, but the chocolate fountain, it like it goes through their basement and it's really long. And but it wasn't. I don't know. I was hoping it was from just their like basement. Well, from their cell, like under the casino where they make the chocolate. Um. <laughs> so they <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. Let's unravel the supply chain here. Where does the chocolate come from? In what form? It, it's it's like liquid, like a chocolate fountain. Like it pours down, and it's like on a wall, and it pours down from on the a, ceiling. On and a then, wall? Yeah, no, it's like it's like a wall. It pours down the fountain. It has like different levels. Like it's stacked up. Um, I like that I'm doing like hand gestures on a podcast. Yeah, no your visual <laughs> hand signals there. I'm a visual talker. Yeah. Um, We've got some smoke signals set up too. <laughs> nice, nice. It kind of it pours down, and then it like goes through the floor down to what I can only assume is the Wonka esque chocolate factory in the basement of the Bellagio Hotel, or down to Chocolate Heaven, or hell. Or hell, it's going, it's going down. I want to go to Chocolate Hell, honestly. If I'm going to have to go to Hell, yeah. I'll go to Chocolate Hell. Can Thank I you. To, is that an option? Like when you when you get sent to Hell? Because let's face it, if there is one, I oh. think I'll see you at the door. If if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't want to have to choose between Coffee Hell and Chocolate Hell. This chocolate wall mm-hmm. is it edible? I mean, in or theory, is it, it is merely a. It's just for display. You can't like stick a hand in and sip some. Which so a, they just manufacture like shit tons of chocolate mm-hmm. only to completely waste it. Well, I don't know what they do. I don't know if it's the same chocolate that's like keep going around and around in the thing. Or oh, there's if no way it is. It. Won't it like wear out after a wouldn't, while? Yeah, wouldn't it like get all ashy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you guys write in. Write in. Call into the studio now live. Five, five, five. One seven three one, four seven, number pound signs, um, and and discuss the chocolate. Jenny. Where does eight six seven five three nine? Where does chocolate go when it dies? Um, a, down a fucking wall, apparently. Apparently, it just goes underground. No, but in seriously, Las Vegas. Ugh, this cements my hatred of Vegas. Vegas is pretty bad. What do you What do you hate about? I've Vegas? only well, I've only been once, and I only had a great time because I was with really good friends of mine. The place itself is so gaudy and it's, it's gross it's completely fake well you know how they say you know new york or whatever so-and-so is the city of dreams i feel like vegas is the city of drug nightmares it's a city of night of clammy sweaty night terrors oh yeah 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 panic shits and night terrors panic poops and night terrors built a city on rock and roll and that city is vegas what panic shits in vegas leaves Vegas as soon as possible or gets stuck there forever. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. It's a scary place. And that's what it seems like uh, to me are the only people who actually stay there who didn't grow up there are people who like get trapped and can never leave. I it, guess. And like, I because know it's, it's like a town. It's a fake town engineered to take all of someone's money. It is. It is there. It is very, you know, it's all innocuous and fun, but it, takes people's you know it destroys lives which is crazy to think about but what i like i feel like what really cements the falseness of vegas for me is that they have the casinos that are like cities or places you know like they have new york new york casino and you go inside and it looks like new york and it's designed to be like new york um 
but I just like that Vegas doesn't even want to be itself. Right, exactly. They have no actual identity of which to speak. This is an article from the Onion AV Club called The Convenience Trap. What the changes at Netflix reveal about an insidious trend. Um, and it's by Sam Adams, who apparently took a break from making, from making beer. beer. To, and writing the Constitution. <laughs> and writing the Constitution, because, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do on a Thursday? <laughs> Other than make beer and so write the Constitution. This is, so this is about the price hike at, at Netflix, right? Lars von Trier said that a film should be like a stone in your shoe, but it increasingly seems like we're moving toward a world in which the success of a given work of art is determined primarily by its ease of access. Convenience and choice are the watchwords of the digital era in which content must be instantly accessible and is quickly digested, lest customers flit off to some more welcoming destination. And that with, with its recent decision to sever its streaming video and DVD by mail services, charging a flat fee for each that would raise prices on existing services by as much as 60%, Netflix unceremoniously shoved its customers toward a future in which hard copies are a thing of the past. What bothers me about the Netflix price increase is that it's not, they didn't even have the decency to like lie or tell us some reason as to why they're raising prices. They're just very much like, Raising it sixty percent, you're welcome. Like there wasn't, there wasn't even a, in this economy, or you know, our puppy died. There was no right. And I mean, it's and this the article I recommend everyone, all you nerds out there, go read the article because it what it really points to is that the kinds of films that get transferred between these different iterations of the cinema and, and movie and TV watching experience, the crop that gets selected from the past generation gets smaller and smaller each time. And that there are so, so many movies that are not available on DVD that were never available on DVD that might've had like one tiny run on VHS and that are even historically very, very important and innovative films, but didn't even make the leap to DVD, much less Blu-ray, much less streaming. Well, there's a question, what's going to happen to all those movies left behind? I mean, I'd like to think that eventually everything will get transferred over into whatever is the most current format, but at the rate we keep producing new media, new shows, new movies, it's. I feel like a lot of stuff is going to get left behind in the wayside. And Netflix is gambling that its customers are less concerned about watching the right movie than watching right now. What if it's right? Let's leave aside issues of quality control. Let's focus purely on availability, what you can watch and what you can't. As of this writing, Instant offers several off-brand collections of Charlie Chaplin's early shorts, but none of his features. There are two titles apiece for Jean Renoir and Akira Kurosawa. You can watch Todd Haynes' Poison and Far From Heaven, but not Velvet Goldmine or I'm Not There. And despite having been released on DVD, Todd Haynes' uh, movie Safe is unavailable even for rental. Well, you know what? I mean, do people respond more to accessibility? Do we want what's easy and right there for for the grabbing? Of course we do. People are lazy. And technology is only aiding and abetting that laziness. You know, whereas if something's available and it's cheap and it's free, people are going to go for it. I feel like that's human nature. Yes, people are going to watch whatever they want to watch. 
you know, like taste and what goes in and out of fashion is never necessarily something that happens along a straight line. And eventually, yes, a lot of the old stuff does get transferred, but there's so much that doesn't. And also like, I'm kind of troubled by the fact that it's all kind of moving away from any kind of ownership. Like all these companies are charging you for renting or streaming that's true, but at the same time, there is a lot of ownership in terms of people having ideas on the web, people having their own websites, or creating their own web series. Like, there's a weird... It's like the gap is getting bigger and bigger between what we create and own for ourselves versus what corporations create and own for themselves. Well, that's very true, and I think it's empowering because you can, with the right amount of time and talent and money kind of do what you want and have your own operation be internet based rather than having to go corporate and get sponsored but it's still that then puts it all up to you to try to get it in front of people yes very much so oh i came up with a political slogan for asia's um campaign Oh, really? Are you ready for follow this? Follow-ups, follow-ups, follow-ups. Because uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, Asia was talking about breaking into the Tea Party and running, and here it is. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Yes, we clam. Yes, we clam. Yes, we clam. Yes, we clam. Now, what does clam mean in this context? Whatever she wants it to mean. To me, it means vagina. <laughs> slash, yes, we can. But Oh, wait, so is that... Well, but don't you think that would that that could push away men because the the Tea Party That's men true. don't want women to have power. They want their women to like be. S- the Tea Party's coming to get us. The <laughs> but like the Tea Party doesn't want. They want their women to be either like super bimbo cheerleaders mm-hmm. like Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman, mm-hmm. or like dowdy old women. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like Margaret Thatcher. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would take kindly to. Okay, let me revise that. Yes, we ham. Yes, we ham. Because everyone likes ham. <gasps> and you could have John oh my ham God. on the poster because everyone could, likes John ham. Or she could even like run run on a bacon platform. Dude, like, who just wouldn't want to vote for bacon? Everyone who, loves no, bacon. no, no. Not just who wouldn't want to vote for bacon. Mm-hmm. Who would want to vote against bacon? Right? That's an American. You can make the entire campaign about seeking out people who oppose bacon. Well, I guess you'd have to give Orthodox Jews and Muslims <laughs> a pass. I, well, but if it's the Tea Party. <gasps> They're already the Tea Party. Oh, if it's, oh that's, to the it's fire. the per, ham is the perfect wedge issue. It is. Definitely. It can be a spiral cut issue. It's a honey baked issue. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think it would be I think it'd be great. It could be the ham platter form. Uh, uh. It's just running on a series of ham puns. Like it really whole, honestly It's just like we're bacon gonna be, and like meat product jokes. It'll be the first political campaign to integrate both social networking and tweeting of bacon and also overt racism. <laughs> It would just be like racism and a food-related Mad Libs game. Right, would but be, mostly ham foods. Yeah. The campaign manager would be a book of Mad Libs wrapped in a bacon suit. Honestly, I would just vote for bacon suit. I would be Can, can bacon, bacon suit be a write-in? Bacon suit 2012. If Asia doesn't make it in the primary, I say we run bacon run suit bacon as suit. a write-in. Dude, bacon suit would win. 
<laughs> Again, who's going to vote against Bacon Seed? Right? I think we're onto something. He's got a sense of fashion and a sense of deliciousness. Mm-hmm.